Our scripture this morning is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, or as always, it's printed on the cover of your bulletin. As you're able, if you would, please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated and let us pray. Now, dear Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So, it was a Sunday like any other Sunday, like today. I was preaching, don't remember exactly what it was, but I had a story in the sermon to hopefully illustrate a point, one of those crazy things that happens in life that I thought might not only illustrate a point, but be a little humorous. Uh, Fred Craddock, who taught me preaching, said, you know, if you pay attention in life, you don't need to make up stories. Life is filled with enough interesting stories on its own, and he was right. So I told this story in a sermon, and at the end, people did chuckle, but a couple of people kind of cocked their head and raised their eyebrow as if to say, you just made that up, didn't you? And so I reacted to it in the moment, as I have a tendency to do, and I said what I had said before, that's a true story, true story. Well, I finished the sermon, did the benediction, following the service of worship, I'm greeting people at the door, and this lady walks out, sweet lady, and shakes my hand, and she said, you identified that as a true story, and I believe you, and from time to time, you will say that. You will say, that's a true story, and I always believe you, but it does make me wonder about everything else you say. <laughs> well, really, hopefully everything else I say is equally truthful. I, I do seek to tell the truth. It's a good habit. It's important. And you learn in life, it is a wise choice. Uh, when you start making things up and telling lies here and there, I'm not bright enough to keep up with that. Uh, I'm, the truth is easier for me to keep up with. And it's always a wise choice. We've been talking for the last few weeks about wise choices we can make in life. We started by looking at Jesus' parable of the wise and foolish builder. The foolish choice sometimes seems easier, seems more attractive, but it always has consequences. The wise choice, on the other hand, might be much more difficult in the short term, but it's always better in the long run. So we've talked about wise choices and foolish choices. And we've looked, as we talked about foolishness and wisdom, at uh, several Proverbs, because there's no better source of wisdom than the Old Testament book of Proverbs. So we continue this morning by looking at the wisdom of telling the truth. Telling the truth is always a good idea. We see that all through Scripture. Look at Moses on Mount Sinai 
as God gives the Ten Commandments. One of those is tell the truth or don't lie or thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, right? The short version is simply tell the truth. The Apostle Paul in several places talked about speaking truth. One of those is in our scripture this morning from Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 is a great chapter where Paul talks about how we live together as the community of faith. How do we live together and function together as the body of Christ? He begins it this way. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you were called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Do you hear that? Bearing with one another in love, maintaining the unity of the Spirit. He's talking about how we live together in community. And then in verse 7, he says, Each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. And he talks about the grace we've been given and the gifts we've been given. How each of us have been given a spiritual gift that we are to use for the building up of the body of Christ. Talking about how we live together. And then in the passage that you heard, he says, we're no longer children. You know, children sometimes are easily swayed this way or that way. Rather, speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. We must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So Paul says, not just speaking the truth, but speaking the truth in love helps us as a community of faith grow together into maturity in Christ. Telling the truth is important. Always a wise choice. And of course, Proverbs discusses this as well. All through Proverbs you can find admonitions to tell the truth. Chapter 6, a scoundrel and a villain goes around with crooked speech. Chapter 15, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 12, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who are truthful. The Lord delights in those who are truthful. Are you starting to see a pattern? All through Scripture, we're encouraged to be honest, to understand the wisdom of telling the truth. After all, nobody likes being lied to, right? No, nobody. Well, almost nobody. I have a friend who says when his wife asks, how was dinner? She didn't care if you're lying or not at that point. She just wants to hear that it was great. But for the most part, none of us likes being lied to. If I ask you, how was the sermon? No, no, never mind, I won't go there. <laughs> Nobody likes being lied to. Uh, you've been lied to at some point in life. I've been lied to at some point in life. None of us like it. In some ways, there are times I feel like it's an occupational hazard when you work in the church. Because when you work in the church, there's always people who come to the church and want help. And there's nothing wrong with that. We are glad to help when we can. We are called to help 
as we can. When we celebrate communion, you will hear me say what you hear me say or hear one of us say every month, that the offering you leave at the chancel goes in our benevolence fund. It helps people in need. That is what we do. But most often when people come and say, can the church help give me money for groceries, pay this bill, whatever the need is, you'd be amazed at how many times they will also say, and I promise I will pay you back. I promise. Well, we don't look for payback. We're not a bank in the uh, business of making loans. We're in the business of helping people in the name of Jesus. But people will promise to pay back. Do you know how long it took me in ministry before somebody actually paid me back? 15 years. For 15 years, I had people say, I promise I'll pay you back. Never saw a penny. After 15 years, I met a fellow named Douglas. He came into my office one day. And he said he was going to the VA hospital, needed cab fare to get to a bus stop so he could take Marta to the VA hospital. Church at the time was about 20, 25 minutes from the closest bus stop. I said, why don't I give you a ride? He said, I would hate for you to do that. And I'm thinking to myself, in all honesty, if he just wants money, and I rarely give people cash, but if he just wants money, he's not going to let me strand him at a bus stop. He'll back out. I said, let me take you. So we went back and forth, and finally I took him. Nice conversation. I waited with him for the bus. When the bus arrived, he said, I'm going to be there all day. Could I borrow some money for lunch? I promise I'll pay you back. I thought, of course you will. So I gave him the money, watched the bus pull away. A couple of days later, he comes back in my office again. And he says, I brought you your money. First time in my ministry, someone had actually, I didn't take it, but he actually tried to pay me back. And he could tell I was surprised. And he said, what's the matter? I said, well, nothing. But you would be amazed at how many people have promised to pay me back. Nobody's ever done it before. And he looked hurt. And he said to me, preacher, if I tell you something, I mean it. We got to be friends. He was an honest soul. You appreciate honest souls. Because none of us like being lied to. The Lord detests lying lips, but delights in those who speak the truth. It should come naturally to us when you think about it. It really should. We are, after all, created in whose image? God's, right? A God who is holy. A God who is just. A God who, when he came to earth in the flesh said, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. So we are created in the image of God who is truth itself. Being honest should come naturally to us. But too often it does not. Too often we take the foolish road. The road that looks easier, more attractive in the short term. Even when we're dealing with someone and we know we need to speak truth to them. Sometimes we back away. There are times in the church when truth needs to be spoken. And we don't do it. We don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. We don't want to offend somebody, upset somebody. But we need to speak the truth in love, as Paul said. Even, and I know this is going to be a shock, even church folks sometimes have troubles. Even church folks sometimes do things that they shouldn't do. Just a couple of examples. I've read stories 
of church members suing each other back and forth like nobody's business. Somebody needs to speak truth. I've read stories of leaders in churches who were being blatantly unfaithful to their spouse. Somebody needs to speak the truth. I've read stories of church leaders who question the resurrection of Christ, believe it or not. Somebody needs to speak truth. I've read stories of people who came in for communion and used Holy Communion as an opportunity to overindulge in food and to get drunk on wine. Now, as United Methodists, we serve grape juice. We don't serve real wine. It'll take you a long time to get drunk on our grape juice. Can I tell you that? But there are places who, in the past and in the present, served real wine. I've read stories of people in the church who would use communion as an opportunity just to take too much wine. And I've even heard of a church where all of this stuff was going on. One congregation that was dealing with all of these problems. Can you imagine if that were your church? There was such a church. Fortunately, they had somebody willing to speak truth. The church was in the city of Corinth in the first century. All of that was happening. The Apostle Paul wrote him a letter, our New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. And he spoke the truth, said things that they did not want to hear. But he knew how important it was to speak the truth. After all, the Lord detests lying lips, but delights in those who speak the truth. He wrote another letter, a follow-up, our New Testament book of 2 Corinthians. This is what he said there in chapter 7. Even I made you sorry with my letter, I don't regret it. Though I did, for I know I grieved you with that letter, but only briefly. Now I'll rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. For you felt a godly grief, so that you were not harmed in any way by us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation and brings no regret. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what zeal. At every point, you have proved yourselves guiltless in this matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not on account of the one who did the wrong, nor on account of the one who was wronged, but in order that your zeal for us might be made known to you before God, in this we find comfort. Paul spoke the truth, even when it was difficult, even when didn't, people did not want to hear it. But ultimately, it was the wise choice. The Lord detests lying lips, but delights in those who speak the truth. We are called to speak the truth, to tell the truth. That is always the wise choice. But there are times it's hard. There are times it's going to be tough for us, embarrassing for us, hurtful for us. There are times it might risk a friendship when you have to speak truth to someone else, put them in an awkward position. But we are always called to tell the truth. So you would think if it were so important, there would, be, there would be help available, right? And there is, when you think about it, there is. We have attorneys in the congregation, and they hear this all the time. They know it's going to be true. We have people that maybe are not attorneys, but for various reasons, spend time in a courtroom from time to time. They know this. Even if you're not an attorney, or if you've never spent a lot of time in a courtroom, did you ever watch Perry Mason? 
You ever watch Matlock? L.A. Law? Uh, the Practice? I mean, pick, pick your favorite show about lawyers. Imagine you're there. You're in the courtroom. You take the stand. What do you do? You put one hand on a Bible, you raise the other, and you make a promise, right? I promise to tell the truth. It's not always easy, but I promise to tell the, the truth. Not only do I promise to tell the truth, I promise to tell the whole truth. That's a lot of, that's a lot of truth. The truth, the whole truth, and I promise to tell nothing but the truth. And this might be difficult, and this might be a challenge, and this might be a hard road. So, what? Help me, God. And God does. Let us pray. Gracious God, in those times when it is a challenge, in those times when it is a struggle, give us the strength, give us the grace to make the wise choice to always, to always speak the truth. In Jesus' name, amen.